Welcome to the Thundercast, uh, your source for all things SCU sports. I'm your host, Connor Sanders, joined by my co-host, Kelton Jacobson. As always, Kelton, how are you doing, my man? It was, it was a, a busy and in some ways sad week for SCU last week. It was since we last recorded. Yeah. It's been a little... My heart's been hurting ever since. It hasn't ever stopped. It's been an emotional roller coaster. It really for sure. has. It really has. My Her- favorite picture, though, Connor, ever in all the history of all the pictures ever taken in the world is the picture that your wife showed me uh, about right after SUU lost and oh, you sitting me. sitting yeah. on the floor in the fetal position. That was that yeah, was head and hands, head and hands. The we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But first, um, let's let's get into the SUU sports week that was a busy one. With, it was a busy one with the men's and women's basketball championships and also. The SCU football team claiming victory on the road for the first time in four years. They had a 14-game road losing streak come to an end mm-hmm. with a big win against Cal Poly. Kelton, talk to me about that game. Well, in in Cal Poly of all places, uh, in in San Luis, San Luis Obispo. Obispo. So, and they haven't won there since I believe 1988. Yes, so that was a that was a huge, huge win there. Um, from start to finish, SU looked pretty good. I mean, they, well, I shouldn't say start to finish. They looked really good at the first half. The second half, they kind of started to let uh, Cal Poly score a little bit more frequently. Yeah. Um, but the, at the end of the day, they, they held on to the lead and they took care of business. Yeah, very well-deserved win for Coach Tamari Warren and his side. They just came out from the go and mm-hmm. looked dominant. Now, to be fair, that was Cal Poly's first game, and they were trying a brand-new offense after running the triple option for, like, right. uh, centuries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Uh, but SCU capitalized. They looked really good. So congrats to them. Uh, the women's basketball team fell in their first game in the quarterfinal of the Big Sky Conference Championship to the University of Northern Colorado. And uh, what was a hard-fought game, but one that they very much could have won. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately were not able to overcome the Bears who fell in the semifinal. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, holy smokes, that was a, oh, over a week ago uh, last Tuesday. But Alicia Davis is really, really good. I I was a little upset, maybe a little too upset that uh, she got Player of the Year over Liz Graves, uh, but she's that was good. Not happening. She was good, and she shut down everything SU could do in the post. Um, I think she finished with like seven or eight blocks. Yeah. So just just annihilated everything SU wanted to do in the post. Ari Franzen couldn't get anything going, so it was a sad loss. But I think, and we'll get to it maybe a little bit later. But I think. Uh, Overall, you could call probably this uh, season for women's basketball a, a, a success. Yes, absolutely. Uh, completely revamping the team mm-hmm. from season to season and still improving in terms of replacing the standings is a pretty impressive feat. Right. Uh, but yeah, like I, like Kelton mentioned, we'll get to that more in a future episode. We'll give the women's basketball team their full mm-hmm. sh- time in the limelight, just like we will with the men today. Uh, the gymnastics team uh, had a great weekend as well. They beat the University of Arizona and the Air Force Academy, uh, posting a 196.150 in Tucson uh, against the University of Arizona. Narrowly edging them out there, only winning by about, uh, what, like a point and a half or so? Yeah, 0.150, yep. Yeah, 0.150, not even a point. No, that, a point actually in gymnastics is a pretty big win. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, And then gymnastics takes uh, on Utah, no, excuse yeah. me, uh, they're, they're Utah State. Utah State. I was going to say the University of Utah, and that is not yeah, the right one. Utah, Utah State. State, Boise, BYU, mm-hmm. and SU will meet in the MRGC Championship this Saturday with a chance to maybe surprise some teams. It seems like oh yeah. Um, for the most part, BYU has been in control of, of things yes. this season, but 
SU's got the best gymnast probably in the conference, so they've always got a shot. Right, and uh, BYU's been solid all year. Boise's kind of peaking at the right time, so good for them. Um, but SUU, yeah, with Carly McLean, anything can happen. And SU has great performers in every single routine, so that that should be fun. They're only they're they're coming in third in the conference, so we'll see what happens. They've already beat Boise once this season. They beat Utah State this season, so you just got to go out and beat BYU again, or hopefully the, for the first time this season. Yeah, good chance to get some uh, competitors sent to nationals as well, maybe even the whole team. Yeah. Uh, so good luck to the, the gymnastics teams, the Flippin' Birds, head out this weekend up in Logan. Uh, we were joking that once basketball ended that sports would slow down. Well, that's not at all the case. As <laughs> the women's soccer team starts this week uh, on Friday, uh, this will probably have been played by the time this podcast comes out, but soccer team playing um, on Friday and Sunday this week against Northern Arizona. So mm-hmm. they start with a with their in-state, well, not in-state rival, but, you know, rivals. Yeah. Uh, Just shoehorn, shoehorn rivals. So soccer getting on underway after they had some cancellations last week. Uh, speaking of cancellations, not to COVID-19, should be noted, the soccer team was canceled due to inclement weather. Yes. Which feels strange to not have something f- canceled due to COVID because... Weird weather week, though. In it was a very strange southern week. Southern Utah. Yes. Uh, but because of COVID-19, the women's volleyball team had their matches canceled last week, but will be at home against Eastern Washington this weekend as uh, as SU is maintaining a good and solid record uh, right in the middle of the pack of the conference, but with a chance to move up, but no uh, conference tournament for the volleyball teams mm-hmm. this season. So where they finish in the standing is where they will be. Right. And right now they're sixth. Um, I don't quite remember if they're in uh, Washington or if they're at home um, this upcoming match. Oh, they're at home. They're at home. Yeah. They, they've won six in a row at home. So they're, they're performing very, very well at home and hopefully that continues. Yeah. Coach Hoyer's side really defending the home court this season. We also want to give a shout out to Christian Ricketts, who was named an All-American uh, after finishing 31st at the Nationals there for the SU cross-country team. He posted a time of 30-37 in his event. Mm-hmm. Uh, very rare to have an All-American. Well, actually, it's not that all that rare for the cross-country team to have an All-American. But They're so good. Having an All-American at SU at any sport is a huge accomplishment, and Coach Hewell has those boys running at perfect yes. time and yes. uh and congratulations to christian that's a, a huge accomplishment for them also the softball team lost two in a row against dixie last week they were at the gcu invitational this weekend uh with a few games against the antelopes and a pair of games against northern or northern new mexico state close <laughs> i'm talking about northern colorado and northern arizona too much uh and then the volleyball or excuse me the softball team will be uh, at home for the first time next tuesday against dixie state so yes. All the teams not only are in season, but they're all starting to play games at home. So mm-hmm. over the next, uh, well, over from Friday until Tuesday when the softball team plays, you'll have something like six games yeah. at SUU, and uh, and basketball is not even in season yeah, anymore. Crazy. And football is not playing. So crazy. Uh, football is on a bye this weekend. Uh, the men's basketball team um, had a, a bit of a, a hiccup there against the... Um, Sorry, it's escaping me. Help me out, Kelly. Yeah, no, you're fine. <laughs> the men's basketball team, they they, they beat Northern Colorado <laughs> yes. in the first round of the conference tournament. Um, and then they uh, came back uh, to play Montana State, who had just overcome Idaho State, and they actually lost to Montana State in the second round, or, or not the second round, but rather the, the semifinals. Um, I guess technically it's the third round of the Big Sky Championship, Big Sky Tournament. So um, kind of a heartbreaker there. 
Yeah, so getting the win against Northern Colorado, huge for SUU, but yes, losing in the semifinal. So after losing in the semifinal of the Big Sky Conference Tournament, the SU men's basketball team put together what I would say is one of the yeah. best seasons in program history, um, now in the books. And the T-Birds finished 20-4 and overall, 12-12 and in the Big Sky, and a perfect 14-0 and at home. But in the end, could not overcome that semifinal hurdle. That's mm-hmm. where they've gone out of the tournament each of the last three seasons. So what is it going to take for SU to make that final leap, um, especially in regards to that Montana State game come? Oh, man. Uh, there, there was just so many so many things that were just incredibly intriguing in, in, that, in that game. I mean, in the first half, we looked like we were going to take care of business. It looked so... It just looked so easy for, for SU. And then in the second half, I mean, Adamu came out and started making shots, and then Montana State got aggressive, and it was just very, very difficult for the Tebers to overcome. I think there's a few things, if we want to talk about them. Um, yeah, absolutely. That that kind of could have shaped the game differently if SU had been maybe a little bit better at that. Yeah, the first thing that jumps out to me is that uh, Jabril Bello kind of had his way. Yeah. Uh, in the post down there. And I think, I mean, Yvonne Medunas shouldn't really even play that much. And he's probably the guy that you would pin uh, to have the best chance of slowing him down. But obviously, Coach Simon uh, thought that the the offense that Harrison Butler would have provided you in his place was more important. And I think that, honestly, that was probably the right call. Right. Harry hit some big shots in that game. Yes. Uh, he was 6 of 13 from the field, had 16 points. He was fantastic. Uh, Yvonne only playing 12 minutes and was 1 of 5 from the field, only grabbed a pair of boards. So yeah. you, you can't blame Coach Simon for sitting uh, Yvonne in that situation. I think the question we both were, were wondering was why why couldn't SU get him into foul trouble? Uh, Bello, <laughs> he only had two fouls in the game like he was never even threatening being in foul trouble right and and the game previously uh bello was in foul trouble the entire time against, yeah, against idaho, idaho state. state so yeah no he fell out with you. like 12 minutes left or yeah something. yeah and he was easily he eight blocks against suu like imagine yeah if he if he just plays 30 minutes instead of 39 oh, yeah. that's such a huge difference but it seemed like suu's when they were going to the basket, they didn't go right at Jabril. Well, he doesn't. He, he doesn't. If he if he only plays thirty minutes, he only he doesn't hit that game tying. That's true. Shot there at the end. Yeah. So. SU. So part of that too. SU only shot uh, ten free throws in the game. They were eight for ten from the free throw yeah. line, and they were one of the best teams in the entire nation at getting to the line. Right. And this game was just. I think Coach Simon called it like officiated it differently was the way he <laughs> phrased it, and I think that that's probably the best way to say because I don't think it was bad necessarily. There's one toe-on-the-line incident that we're still a little Oof. up in arms about, but Oof. I'd say they called it pretty fairly on both sides. There was a lot of contact for both yeah. teams. SU's playing physical defense. Montana State shot 17 free throws compared to SU's only 10. So there is that margin, but the big thing is, like, how does a team that has been so aggressive all season only get to the line 10 times in the biggest yeah. game of the year. That just yeah. That's just not right. I, I did feel like for a, a lot of the game that SU was kind of shying away from contact a little bit. Rather than yeah. going through Bello, they were going around him or at least trying to. And, and that, to be fair, the guys are knocked up. Oh, yeah. And I would not want to throw my body against that guy, oh, against Bello. He's huge. Especially since they didn't play him during the regular season. Like They didn't get a chance to kind of see where they could exploit mm-hmm. him and get him to overcommit and get into fouling situations. So it kind of set up poorly yeah. in the end. I thought maybe not playing these teams before the tournament might actually play into SU's favor because they could sneak attack you and play Harry the whole game and 
you wouldn't really know how to, right. to guard five out against this team. But uh, Montana State was, was able to do it, and they were able to keep Bellow on the floor. Yeah, and, you know, it doesn't help that Amin Adamu came in and made – you know, made shots. He yeah, scored 29. Adamu was fantastic. He scored 29. And just that second half, I mean, the kid was unreal. And he did step over the line, in my opinion. Uh, not really my opinion. <laughs> if you watch the video, you could, anyways, uh, and hit that impossible <laughs> shot. Impossible shot. I've actually heard, you know, a couple of SU players say, like, how, how did, did that, that go, go in? in? Yeah. That's like did... the Derrick Rose. That was what I thought of that one Derrick Rose shot where he was, like, falling down for yeah. Memphis and banked in that three-pointer. It looked just like that. Just shouldn't have gone in. But it did. Yeah. And that was the kind of night, uh, second half at least, Adamu was having. That's absolutely true. And I'll, can I put a positive spin on this for you? Go ahead. Maybe this means the Jazz can really win a championship. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> Bella was able to stay on the floor. Maybe they can keep Rudy on the floor against uh, one of those top teams in the West. Maybe. <laughs> I'll just kidding. Of course, you can keep Rudy on the floor, but can you win with him? Bella certainly <laughs> was able to. Ooh, you're, you're, you're tugging at some hard okay, hold strings on, hold on, here. Hold on, hold on. Don't get too distracted. Uh, <laughs> so... SEU also had some trouble in terms of just like inbound passing, which is a really stinky way to to lose your season. But it has to be said, they just had trouble. Obviously, Dre's inbound pass that that, uh, got stolen by Adamu. Anyone else in the conference, and that's that's totally fine. John Mm -hmm. jumps over that guy, snags a ball, no big deal. Adamu went right up with him. One guy, the one guy poked it away. That is just long enough to and all to get season young. long. By the way, they've just been throwing it into the backcourt. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, I don't know why they just didn't do that again. Why is John trying to post him up? Yeah, it just was, run into the backcourt like you have all season. It was very odd. Like I remember watching it and being like, "What is why? Why what are we doing? What, are, what yeah, is going exactly. on here?" So that was only Dre's second turnover of the game. So it's not indicative of how he played <laughs> in that game. And I, coach mentioned uh, in an interview I had with him that Dre had been dealing with cramps in that game which is another reason why they didn't want to deploy the press as early mm. because they were worried that, number one, Dre was was it, kind of struggling through cramps, and John was beat up. Yeah, He, he had looked beaten up. All season long, he'd been kind of favoring mm-hmm. uh, one of his hips, and uh, that I think that played into it as well. And I think that's also a reason why he didn't go to the, the rims consistently or as aggressively. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, I, going back to the inbounding thing, I mean, you you lost that one inbound on the sideline, and then you come back on the other and you can't inbound the ball on the baseline so yes it was just like gosh come on like, yeah you've been doing this all year but yeah i also think to go along with what you were just saying yeah you you had dre who is who's hurt and you had jk who was uh banged up you can't go to maze down low because bellows down he there because so good defensively because we couldn't we couldn't get bellow into foul trouble so that's when you need connor your first team big sky uh elite scorer Tevin Jones to come out and put the team on his back and yeah, Tev had a good game, fifteen and ten. That's a good game, but for Tev though, yeah, you needed twenty seven out of Tev. Yeah, well, maybe not, quite not that even much, that. Yeah. You only needed nineteen out of Tev to get well, the victory. Really, you just need four more free throws from him. Yeah, and he only got to the line one time. One time, and that again, that is part of the. I think the argument Coach Simon is making that the game was officiated differently. Like mm-hmm. Tev always gets to the line. Yeah, he had one of the best free throw late, free throw rates in the conference, um, and was automatic when he got there. So the fact that he only got to the line one time seems really unusual. He was six for sixteen, had fifteen points and ten boards, uh, and made I'd say the biggest play of the game for SGU when he stole that inbound pass inbounds, and got yeah. the and one. Mm-hmm. That was the one free throw he shot. Yeah. Was yep. on the the steal and score. That was just oh, what a great play that was. 
I was jumping around. You thought first. you thought right at that point too, like, oh man, SU's gonna win. But. And Tevian must have thought that too, because on the next possession, SU got to steal again, and the ball found Tev in the corner. The shot clock was getting a little low. I but he could have pulled the ball out after. I, did SU get an offensive rebound in that sequence? I can't remember how that sequence started. I think Harry got it, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, and then they pulled the ball back out, and Tev realized like, oh, I actually have a lane to the basket if I just go real quick. The problem is that Jabril Bello was in the way yeah. of that lane, and then he tried to make some kind of circus shot where he jumped toward the baseline. Maybe he thought he had gotten fouled or something, but yeah. that shot was a real deflating moment where yeah, that it was game almost kind of like, went away. It was almost like, hey, I'm first team all-conference. Let me go and seal this victory right here. And I don't want to put words in Tev's mouth, but that's almost kind of what it, watching that's what it, it that's, yeah. What it and like. to be fair, this should not be in a, a behavior we don't anticipate from Tev because he's been doing that all season. Oh, yeah. And it's worked all season. Oh, yeah. He, he's like, I can make this three-pointer. Mm-hmm. I'll just do it. Yep. And that's what he thought. That's what he saw. I trust his judgment, but it just didn't it just didn't play out. And so that's why SU went out. The other thing that we had noticed, SU had a really hard time stopping big-time scorers, especially yeah, wing players. Rounds. In both rounds. Yeah. They gave up 30 points to Bodie Hume, who was – for this level of the game as an elite scorer. Mm-hmm. And then they gave up 29 to Adamu, who I'd argue is much less skilled, but a little bit more gritty. Yeah. A little bit more strong. Uh, so you give up t- 30 and 29 in consecutive games, you're going to have a hard time winning. Yeah. You know, you demonstrated this season that the post-defense was a struggle, but Mays could hold his own. Um, you also had, you know, good guards uh, who could guard the perimeter in, in Dre and, and John. And also you could throw in Nick Fleming and, and Damani McIntyre when you wanted hold to. Hold their own, yeah. And they they would definitely hold their own on the perimeter. But the wings where you have Harry chasing guys who are smaller than him or maybe Tev chasing guys when Tev's exerting all of his energy on the offensive end it makes things a lot more difficult. And then we saw that in the conference tournament. And Hume, Hume almost brought North Northern Colorado back in he that He really game. almost did, like single-handedly. Yeah. So, yeah, and and Andamu just had an, a nutso game. I mean, the game of his life, probably. I don't know. but Yeah. So, SU goes out, um, mm-hmm. but they still got that trophy. Yeah. <laughs> they still got that. They're still going to get a ring. Yeah. Uh, and this is, I think, falls just short of being the best season in program history, but it is definitely number two I think by a wide margin. I think it's important to note here, too, Connor, that uh, usually in, in any normal NCAA basketball division one season SU gets an automatic invite to the NIT. Yeah, That's another thing. Um, and because of this COVID riddled season, of course they didn't. The and reduced that, field to the NIT. Yeah. That, that would be SU's luck. Right. But so that, that's kind of a heartbreaker there at least, but yeah, you're right. They yeah. still get a trophy, still get a ring. doesn't seem like they're really planning on playing in a tournament of mm-hmm. any kind since the NIT is not working out. And I mean, the guys are so exhausted. I right. totally understand. You already got your trophy. You don't need to, throw yourself at a postseason and risk further injury or further exhaustion. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I feel like the greatest of the great teams have a moment like this where they get real close and fall short. Yeah. Like you think of just the greats throughout uh, basketball history. There's a lot of instances you could point to like MJ going out to the, to the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you get close, you get take that almost like a taste, but you don't get the full thing. Right. And, and I think that will actually in the long run, will be a huge driving force yeah. for uh, for the team going forward. But anyway, um, let's look at the season on a broader scale. But before we move on, any final thoughts there? Mm. Nope. Let's okay. do it. Tough, tough loss, but uh, ultimately a culmination of, of an entire season's worth of effort for SUU. Right. Um, 
So the T-Birds started the season losing at Loyola Marymount on a buzzer beater, and then things coming so full circle at the end of the season as Dre Marine's three-point attempt to tie the game rims out uh, in the final moments. Shades of Mike Conley Jr. I know. I hated to remind you of that. 2020. I knew you were going to, so but I thought I just so hurt similar. myself early. It, it was, was so similar. similar. It like took the same path off the rim. Yeah. It was like, it looked down. Yeah. And uh, I think Dre thought it was down too. And like Gordon Hayward Butler versus... Yes. Was it UConn? No, it was Duke. The Duke, court shot against Duke. Duke-esque. Yeah. Yeah, so... So to lose on a buzzer beater in the first game of the season to some no-name freshman that <laughs> I don't even think had a huge role for Loyola Marymount that much uh, in the long run. Uh, but Loyola Marymount, finished; they finished in the top four of their conference, and they right. made the semifinal of the WCC, which is absolutely nothing a to sneeze really at. really good conference. Uh, and they were good. I yeah. was really impressed by them. And SU gave them everything they wanted in their arena. Yeah. Very well could have won that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They lost on a kicked ball, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that shows you just the level that they were at. And I think after that game, we probably should have anticipated like, okay, this is going to be special. Oh, yeah. at the, after that game, I was like, okay, this is a really good team. Yeah. And then, but I was still kind of, you know, maybe, maybe not, but uh, it, it was pretty clear they were going to be good. For me, it was the Montana games. Yes. Um, when, when SU came in and I mean, we all coming into the season thought Montana was just going to be great. They like were they the preseason favorite. And so, so we were really, really worried, but then SU comes in and, and just scrapes out these two tough wins yeah. in, in Cedar City. So that was really awesome. And I was like, we're, we're good. Yeah, and it was a weird thing too because they played a non-conference game and then they played two conference games and then they played a bunch of non-conference games against, and then they went back to conference. Against NAIA and Division Two opponents too. Yeah, so it was like no time to ramp up yeah. to the most important, two of the most important games of the season. Two like the, maybe the most five or six most important games and they had to win them and they did. And then... From there, it was high-flying. SU was really good throughout the middle of the season. Uh, they got that huge win against Dixie. Just uh, made pretty easy work of Idaho. Those games stayed close because Idaho just wouldn't miss. Yeah. <laughs> but it never felt like there was any really real danger with either of those games. Had some cancellations in between, and then they traveled to Eastern Washington where they lost their first game, and then they bounced back with a 99-94 to win two days later. Uh, most points scored in a single game of against a division one opponent this season happened mm-hmm. there in Cheney. And, uh, that was just a fantastic yeah. game. Oh, it was so fun to watch. My favorite part was just going bucket for bucket and SU just being on top. Well, that was the big thing last year. SU was the best defensive team in the conference, but they couldn't hit shots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was not all the case. And when, when, when SU won that game against Eastern Washington and they, like you said, just punch for punch, no backing down. I was like, okay, this team's got something real special. Right. Um, and, uh, they absolutely <laughs> took themselves to a new level with that win. The But one of the issues that they had that surfaced in the conference tournament was also prevalent in that game. Jacob Davison scored 31 points. Yeah. And hit like, felt like 23-pointers. Can't, can't stop big-time scores. And uh, I still think, like, John's a great defender. Uh, Dre really does well for his size, but that was the one, the one final thing. I don't yeah. think that they had a wing defender that they could trust enough. And Harry is good, too. Uh, yeah, but they just couldn't lock up a big time score for no. all forty minutes. Harry's 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 great. Harry's a little big to keep up with those shifty wings, and then Damani's great, but Damani's a little small and to keep up with those shifty gives wings. Gives you very little on, on offense. On offense, yeah. So ultimately, that uh, was an area that surfaced again in the conference tournament, and we saw that too in the games against Weaver because Isaiah Brown 
mm-hmm. was amazing in both of those games. So the first game against Weber SU played in Ogden. It was super weird. SU went down early and just yeah. could not recover. Uh, the by far their worst performance of the season. Uh, just looked shell shocked. It was yeah. strange. Yeah, I, I said it last week in the podcast. I think if there's one game Todd Simon could just throw throw if if he could throw one away, it would be that Weber game. Just everything went wrong. Everything yeah. that could have went wrong. At this point, it's an outlier. Yeah, it's like what even happened? Yeah, that was such yeah. a strange. Game. I mean, even the first loss against Eastern Washington wasn't nearly that bad. Yeah. And then they came back and got a big win against Weber after uh, the famous Damani McIntyre steal and score. Uh, that game was crazy. Yeah. The fans were going so crazy. Uh, it was what a huge a advantage. What for, a game. A huge advantage for SU to have fans this season because yeah, nobody yeah. else in the conference had fans. Mm-hmm. And so every time somebody came here, they had to deal with fans screaming and yelling right. and clapping their hands and yelling mean things to them. And <laughs> there's no, like, I mean, you could always talked to the bench before but even there were reduced numbers because of social distancing so you could really you know filter out oh, when yeah. somebody was calling oh, you out yeah. on the bench like i saw multiple times players like not give the finger but like give a look like a hard stare to somebody in the yeah. crowd like stop you know when when i have to turn my head when i'm on press row and i have to turn my head because i'm so distracted about yeah. what's going on in the fan section i'm like oh we should probably get all fans back in here sometime yes so that was a huge advantage for them um and then to close out the season, SU won four straight games, three on the road. Another thing that I think is easy to, to forget in this whole thing is that uh, they played; they were on the road for 11 straight days before the conference yep. tournament because mm-hmm. they had to go to Northern Arizona, they had to go to Portland State, and then they had to go straight to Boise. Uh, but those last three conference games, wow. That was oh, that. Just so complete. SU hit their peak. You were not beating them nope. no matter what you did. No. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, especially that second NAU game, they put them to the coals. NAU was big, mad. They wanted to fight. Yeah. They wanted to fight because SCU just clapped them so hard. Oh, yeah. And that's like, that's special stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we wanted to get to some team awards uh, to kind of just compliment. Team what a, awards named by you and I. Yes. You and I alone. Yeah. I mean, who else is going to do it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> Dad, if you're out there listening, I'm, we're doing it for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anyway. For, for the awards this season, uh, starting off with the play of the year, I think this is the most obvious of oh, all the easy. things, is Damani McIntyre's steal and score. Easy. He picked Isaiah Brown's pocket, boy. Oh, man. He had that fool looking at his shoes like, what happened to me? Where did the ball go? Yeah. And, and I love Damani's reaction, and, and especially in the post game where he's like, oh, I was studying him all game. Like, Damani, you didn't know that you were going to come in, and you're still studying him. Just yeah. awesome. And especially for a kid like Damani. Just makes you and so happy. Speaks to a really important aspect of this program, which is recruiting well on the yes. fringes, mm-hmm. uh, getting players that can contribute in a pinch, uh, just like that. Um, what a what a so what many, a play! Like, yeah, just such an exciting moment to have fans there and be going crazy. That was well, fantastic. And, and you knew, you knew too. If if Isaiah Brown brings the ball down the court, he's going to score. He's going to score. Weber's going to win. He's on that Dame thing. Yeah, all he was all credibility well. goes out the window for... And even still, remember, on the next possession, he rimmed out a three. Yeah. Like, he almost tied the game anyway. Uh, even so. So, yeah. yeah, great, great play. That I think that earns it. I think the second place one might be the, the John Knight inbound against Portland State. That was so cool. Ooh, John oh, had some plays this year. And you could basically count any of Tevion Jones's like, transition threes. I mean, the steal and score one in, that, uh, in the conference tournament mm-hmm. game, that was huge. But mm-hmm. I think Damani's stealing... Yeah, getting the layup that wins. Was, that was the one. Okay, game of the year. I think we're going to differ here. I 
I would say that second game against Eastern Washington mm-hmm. was their best game of the year. Just complete performance. Like, they got Eastern Washington's best shot. Like, Eastern Washington played very well in that game, and SCU was just, they just were too good. Yeah. Oh, they, they played so well. And, and like I said earlier, they, they went blow for blow. Uh, they were even in uh, Cheney, so... It, and speaks, Groves went crazy. Uh, yeah. And Kim Aiken had a great game. Now, oh, I mean, that was probably Davison's best game of the year, too. Yeah, and Davison, too. Davison disappeared after that. Yeah. Yeah, and they still made the conference tournament. They don't even care. Yeah, I know. They they, they won the conference tournament. So uh, that was a that was a great game. I I I would agree with you. Um, I think a close close second is the, obviously the Weber game, um, just because of the intensity and SU getting blown out two days earlier. Yeah. Um, so to rebound and win the win. game. Um, with that said, I mean SU didn't play great in that game. Yeah, I, I would argue even the win was just a wee bit fluky. Yeah, Damani. Great on you for studying Isaiah Brown on the bench, but if the game is coming down to how well you studied how this guy takes the ball <laughs> off the court, that means that overall the performance was not what you were yeah. hoping for. Yeah. Um, so game of the year goes to that Eastern Washington win. Yep, I I'd would say. agree. Yep. The most fun game of the year was absolutely the NAU road game because, oh my gosh, <laughs> the coach was yelling, masks were off. Like, ooh, if they would have had to shake hands after the game, that would have been dangerous. Yeah. Okay, um, let's go to our surprise of the year. Um, what would you say is your your big surprise? Um, my biggest surprise of the year probably the usage of Anand Moody, and you how thought he was gonna have a bigger role. I or? thought he was gonna have a bigger role. Okay, I I I didn't think he'd start, uh, especially because you got two guards like John Knight and Dre Marine. I didn't think he'd he'd start, but I definitely thought he would be. He would see minutes similar to. I thought he would compete Harry for a saw. starting position at Did some you? point this season. Yeah. I and I thought eventually they would have to move to a three guard lineup with him, and then uh, the front court being Tevin Mays. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely, I, I just watching him in practice before the season, I was like, dude, this so guy, nice. yeah. this guy is just a, an absolute bucket. He didn't miss. He could hit runners. He could hit layups. He could hit transition threes. He was just hitting everything in practice. And I don't know if those two games that he missed um, early in the season kind of hurt him. Yeah, or helped him. I don't know, but. I, I, that was my biggest surprise. I'd say my biggest surprise was Marquise Moore. That's a good one. We didn't. Well, the rumor was he wasn't going to be able to play. They were going to make him sit out. Yeah. Didn't play the first. Didn't first, play the uh, first game. first game, and then they kind of just lifted the gates and let everybody play. Right. And uh, he played in some big games. He was, I think, kind of the last guy that Simon trusted. Yeah. In big moments, uh, he got a little bit of run in conference tournament. Played too. super well in the again in the Northern Colorado. He was game. huge in uh that Weber win. Yeah. And he just as the season went on, it was like, okay, this this guy's a part of the future for sure. Mm-hmm. Can you could probably trust him in a starting role someday. Oh yeah. Great defender. Uh was not expecting him to have as big a role as he did. Did you I don't know if you heard um in the in the conference tournament, the broadcaster or the the broadcast I forget his name, but the color commentator called Marquise more tougher than an old corn cob. Yes. And I think that's going that's to beautiful. be what I think of Marquise from here on out is tougher <laughs> than an old corn cob. Uh, yeah, I think that, that is very fitting. Um, okay, let's go over to freshman of the year. This is a weaker category because you only have three freshmen on this team. Yeah. You got Jason Spurg and Kingsley Box and Martel Williams. We only are giving this award to point out that uh, it's kind of a top-heavy group. Yes. You got a lot of seniors are crossing your fingers will come back yes. because if they go... You got a lot you got to replace. And even more juniors. Yes. Ugh. A lot of upperclassmen. Yeah. So I'd say Spurgo is probably the guy you're you're most excited with. Oh, yeah. The only other underclassman is Damani. They're right. all upperclassmen. Well, and Damani, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can refill with, with transfers. 
But uh, I'd say Jack Ospergo wins it just kind of by default. Yeah, by default. I think he's got the potential to be one of the best offensive bigs in the in the in the conference. Yeah, he puts on another twenty pounds. Yeah, he's gonna be a perennial <laughs> all conference team long. contender because he's so good on offense. Needs to work on his hands a little bit. Martel was fun. Um, yeah, Martel got a little run. Yeah, he was really really athletic. I think he'll be a part if he if we see him back at SEU. I think he'll be a big part, but. Maybe not a big part, but it might take him a couple of years. He's a guy you could shape into a rotation guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, your disappointment slash head scratcher. What What were you kind of like? I don't know why that happened. Uh, I mean, the biggest disappointment, obviously, the the conference loss, the conference tournament loss. Yeah. Um, I think that's a no brainer. Uh, head scratcher. I might be a homer for this one. I I don't understand. Um, why Why Damani doesn't play more? I understand that he doesn't give you a lot at the offensive end, but at the same rate, I feel like he kind of needs a little bit more run to prove himself on the offensive end. But then again, yeah. Todd knows his team better than anyone, so any I'm never going to question a Todd. It really a, a is Todd hard rotation. Decision. I'm going to in just a second, but I think the real problem with Monty is that uh, for as great of a defender as he is, like not only is he giving you nothing on offense, he is pulling you down because you really think so. He is no threat to shoot at all okay. from anywhere other than a layup. And he just he just seems kind of spooked when he has a ball. Like, he looks nervous. Mm. And uh, he turns the ball over a lot. And the the defense, every time he gets the ball, they're licking their chops to go take that back. Like mm. So I understand where you're coming from with that. I think my head scratcher and as good and as much as Yvonne sacrificed to help this team win, I don't think he was one of your best five players. No. And I, I, I understand the decision to keep him in a starting role. The only reason the, the only reason I didn't say him too, Connor, is I just don't know who else you put in that you in put the starting Harry. five. You start Harry. You think so? Yeah. <clears throat> that was your best five. It was obvious. Yeah, it was your best five. And But, again, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they played so well. This is like such a nitpick. Like Yvonne only played 12 minutes in that game, and even then, I mean, he didn't play super well but he gave you some good stuff right he, he played hard mm-hmm. he, he pushed bellow around a little bit and asking mace to push bellow around for 40 minutes that's whew. that's a lot on Mace. yeah yeah he would have been a zombie in the yeah. championship if they would have been even if they would have made it to there mm-hmm. um but that was one thing i was kind of just like okay i shout out to yvonne you've given a lot to the program but you're not a you're not a big sky conference winning no quality starting player no so do you think do you think do you think Spurgeon is your guy next year? Your big five next year? You, I mean, if, if you got to get somebody else, let's say, let's say, Spurgo can the same absolutely roster be a rotation back. player, but he cannot be your in night out, night out. Starter. So the same roster comes back. Okay, minus the seniors, who's your starting center? Somebody you get from the transfer portal. Oh, it okay. can't. I, it can't be come down to Cortez or Spurgeon. There you go. That's that would be very, very tough defensively if they struggled in the post this year, bro. Ooh, yeah. I love you, Spurgo. You, you're a very skilled offensive player, but trying to patrol the paint, that, yeah. that would be tough. He That'd needs be better tough hands, ass. too, on the offensive end. Okay, last one. Player of the season. Yep. You want me to go first? I think you should establish that it's obvious the statistical thing is Tavion Jones. Yeah. Because he got the most points. Mm-hmm. He was the first team all-conference. Mm-hmm. I would argue it's not him. I would also argue it's not him. I think it's him. John Knight the third. Oh! We have differing opinions. Are you gonna say it's Dre? No, it's Mason Fawcett. Oh, okay. I yes. like that. Yes, but I want to hear your John Knight case. I think that John uh, made the the biggest step forward in his game. 
he yeah. added that post element, which was huge against smaller guards. Mm-hmm. And he sacrificed the most in terms of passing and yes. uh, everything else. So he, he just became more unselfish and was even better defensively. Played through so many injuries. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Dre was kind of the leader of the team in a wink-wink sense. Like, Dre kind of was the face, yeah. but John was the driving force. Yeah. I, he he improved in almost every statistical category this year. John did. Everything but points. Yeah. I mean, and because and he had to. I mean, when you're assisting the ball, you have another triple the amount that yeah. you did last season. Um, yeah, he was great. I, I really enjoyed the way John controlled himself a little bit more. He wasn't, he didn't get nearly as many he's, offensive yeah, fouls. He still got that one. Oh, that one. Against Montana huge. State. Ooh. You knew, you for knew all it. that he did this season, that still came back to bite him. Yeah. So unfortunate, but. But I mean, for the regular season, yeah. He was great. The only knock I have on John is he, he would just disappear at times. Okay. And it kind of made me a little sad. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with Mays here. Uh, I think Mays was integral to every part of this team, both on the offensive end on the, and the defensive end. Without Mays, uh, you're playing Yvonne Madunich more minutes, and you're probably playing Harry and um, uh, Marquise yeah. down low uh, more, more. And, and they're they're a little small. So Mays, Mays was a better shooter, better scorer. Better post defender. He locked up Groves in that. Well, didn't lock him up, but he played him really, as really well. As good as anyone could. Yeah. And just a phenomenal rebounder. It's obvious, though, that the the priority for strengthening next season, obviously you need to get scores, but you need another post guy. Yeah. To give Mays a breath. You at absolutely least. do. You need to survive 18 minutes without Mays out without there. Without Mays. Uh, okay. So keep an eye out. We got some written stuff coming this week about the men's basketball team, also about the women's basketball team. Kellen just wrote an awesome uh, season in review piece. So keep an eye out for those. Also keep an eye out for a print edition of the University Journal Magazine, which will be coming be out sweet. at the end of April. Uh, so keep an eye out. Be excited for it. And uh, thank you for listening. As always, we will be back next week to talk about the women's team in the same level of depth and mm-hmm. attention. Uh, so thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. Bye. Bye.